Counterspin Media presents the New Zealand 2023 election special. Building on a 168-year heritage with 41 of the finest, most honest, most loyal, most caring and kindest prime ministers in the world. It's time to pick the winner. Welcome to Counterspin. I'm Hannah Spera, and this is our first 2023 election special. The format moving forward for these special episodes will be uh, four candidates from the minor parties in New Zealand, and they'll get about 15 minutes each. And the way that we um, play them is just simply the way that they were recorded, and that is based on their availability. So there's no bias in terms of how we're going to arrange uh, the actual show. Now, I'm going to do these solo uh, while Calvin's doing daddy duties, and then we're going to switch, and he'll do the more long-format interviews while I do mummy duties. So hopefully we can bring you some good content um, while looking after Storm. And, yeah, so we appreciate you just bearing with us while we juggle these things. These specials are going to be something that are based on your support. So if you like what we're doing and you want to be part of the pushback and the information um, exposure, I suppose, of those parties that don't get mainstream airtime, then please do support this. Uh, We can't do it without you. And depending on whether you find value in this will be, you know, the final um, telltale of whether we actually carry on with these. We'd love to be able to do them right up until the election, um, once a week. But of course, it really just depends on you guys. These are not easy. A lot of time and effort goes into them. So please do think about um, making a contribution at counterspinmedia.com. There's the donate button there. Um, Yeah. It's really up to you guys. So if you haven't actually contributed yet to this effort, please do so now. Uh, so with that said, uh, there's a great lineup today. We've got Sue Gray from the New Zealand Outdoors and Freedom Party. We've got Hannah Tamaki from Vision New Zealand. And then we've got Liz Gunn from New Zealand Loyal and Matt King from Democracy NZ. So we're going to play you those interviews and in between we're going to give you a little bit of commentary about what's happening in the mainstream uh, election between the uni parties, which, well, the uni party, which of course is the two major parties here, Labour and National, and then we'll also make commentary about um, where other mainstream media players are at. Yeah, we now want to welcome Sue Gray, the co-leader from the New Zealand Outdoors and Freedom Party. Welcome, Sue. Of course, your party is part of the Umbrella Party um, Freedoms NZ. We just want to catch up with you. How is it going on the campaign trail? Awesome. Thanks, Hannah. Look, it's always really exciting on the campaign trail. You never know what's going to come up next, um, but there's basically been so many things happening. I'm in Waikato at the moment because Alan had to go in and get an urgent um, open heart surgery. That's kind of twisted our little plans a little bit, but um, actually it's been great because I've met a lot of so many of, well, so many of the local people and I've met a lot of them again that I had met last year or the year before. So it's all been good. Excellent. And um, great to hear that Alan's actually doing really well. And it's another example of how modern medicine actually does have its place. But of course, you know, things like the jab, um, you know, we've had a lot of debates around that. And just I just want to quickly touch on your recent win as well around that, because, you know, you're accused of spreading mis- and disinformation, but um, the the tribunal had other thoughts. 
Yeah, look, it was really good. They recognised that although everybody knows I'm a lawyer, I'm allowed to be myself as well and I'm allowed to be a politician. And so the rules for lawyers don't apply when I'm speaking as a politician or speaking in my own capacity as a scientist or a mother or whatever, um, which of course is what it always was and what it always should have been. Uh, the tribunal or, or the, the complaints people were trying to say that because people knew I was a lawyer, somehow every single thing I did 24-7 was, was covered by the lawyer's standards. But luckily, um, law prevailed, common sense prevailed, um, good judgment prevailed, and they agreed that, um, no, I was right all along with all that, and um, they struck out the charges against me. So that's really nice to have that stuff out of the way at last. And actually, I will just take this opportunity to um, bring up the uh, Dr. Alison Goodwin, uh, yeah. Goodwin as well. Goodwin, what, what are your yeah. comments on that? Yeah, look, Alison's been such a brave voice for doctors throughout. She did the first affidavit for us in the Vax Challenge case way back in May 2021. And, you know, her affidavit was about informed consent and how you need to tell people the risks and the uncertainties and the alternatives as well as the benefits of a new treatment. And so she's just been absolutely solid and consistent throughout, but she's been met with the medical council who basically wrote their own rules along the way that don't reconcile with what MedSafe, the regulator, said and that don't reconcile with informed consent principles. But good on Alison Goodwin because she stood up throughout all that and she's now the third doctor in a row that's had to go to the district court and who's won in the district court. Um, the others were Matt Shelton and Peter Kennedy quite some time ago. So, um, yeah, hopefully we're on a roll now and um, justice will prevail. Yeah, those are some really good, uh, much-needed wins for the Freedom and Truth movement at this point. So back to the campaign, um, you know, how's it looking? How many more um, stops have you got along the way? How many campaign? How many candidates are you um, running in from your party? Things like that. Yeah, so we've been sort of having an extended campaign. We did the tour of New Zealand with Freedoms New Zealand in uh, mainly in. July, um, or even before, I think, June, July. So we went to, I think it was 34 different cities as part of that tour, met loads of people, got to know each other better. It was really great. Um, I'm about to do a tour down Tasman West Coast um, and we've got Silenced and We Came Here for Freedom, the two really great documentaries that are going to be shown down the coast and I'm in both of those documentaries so they've asked me to be on the panel for Q&A afterwards and I'll be having some other meetings down on the West Coast. So we're doing it a bit different um, to a lot of other parties. We're actually taking something interesting to the people um, and, and having a bit of an event with them. Um, I've got some amazing support. I'm standing in West Coast Tasman, which is kind of a wraparound um, around Nelson where I live. It's the most ridiculous uh, electorate in the sense it's about 12 hours from one end to the other to drive. Um, so it, it, it does make campaigning a bit difficult, but I've got these amazing people in pretty much every small town along the way. So we've got this wonderful support network and we're going to have a bit of a convoy going through Tasman West Coast, um, showing the movies and answering questions and doing whatever else comes up along the way. So that's super exciting. That is starting on the 24th of August in Blenheim. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm going to get to that Blenheim event, but they're Mochuaka, uh, Westport, 
Hokitika and we're looking at Franz Joseph and then the convoy is going to head down to Monica and I'm going to head back up the coast and and visit more small towns that we don't get to on the way. So that's my personal campaign. Um, Freedoms NZ, we are working towards the huge event on the 28th of September um, in Wellington. So we'll have a bit of a get back together again because that's, of course, the day that Ashley Bloomfield is speaking in Wellington um, to this kind of pro-World Health Organization group pushing the World Economic Forum. So we thought that that was a perfect day for us to reconvene in Wellington, um, connect up with people who were at the convoy, the Freedom Village, um, and anybody else that's joined us along the way who just wants now, to... about re- that event, and um, people are just asking, is it going to be a event or is it you know um is everybody welcome from all the parties or you know is it a campaign thing for just you guys no no absolutely everybody's welcome it's just a chance for all the freedom people to get together plus all the new people that have joined the kind of freedom movement along the way so just like freedom and rights coalition were kind of a bit of a catalyst for bringing all sorts of different people together that's what this event is all about to get as many different groups together as can we um i was at a groundswell meeting last night in waikato uh, i know that they're planning some events around it as well there's all sorts of different groups that are planning to get together because you know to get we've got so much more power and influence than we have when we're all divided so you know the whole idea is just to create something that that unites us all now so if you could just explain something for us because many people out there won't quite understand this concept of the umbrella party now with uh, freedoms nz and of course brian tamaki is the leader of it you're the co-leader But Brian Tamaki doesn't actually have a political party. So how does it work? Do you campaign just for your party or the the whole thing? Yeah, people are very confused. Yeah, okay. So we're both actually co-leaders. We don't oh, right. okay. we're on an equal footing. We recognise we've each got our own strengths and styles, which is great. Um, so the idea is for the party list, we campaign for Freedoms NZ. So party vote, Freedoms NZ. And what it means is we have to agree a list between ourselves. So the two co-leaders are one and two on the list. And then we agree the other component parties have representatives and we look at candidates on their merits um, so when you party vote Freedoms NZ, if you get your top, um, you know, if we get 5%, we'll get six candidates, a combination from each of the different parties ranked according to our sort of criteria for who's going to make the most difference in, in Wellington. In terms of the electorate seats, we do it under our own component parties. So for West Coast Tasman, you'll see Sue Gray, Outdoors and Freedom Party on the on the um candidate side and then on the party list side it'll be freedoms new zealand so um it just think of it it literally is like an umbrella we're all individual parties under the umbrella we all keep our own integrity the day we go into parliament we can split out and be our own party again it's just a way of overcoming that horrible five percent threshold and we're trying to get the other parties to understand that obviously we all agree on certain things like freedom um, but we don't have to agree on everything else like New Zealand's had this big problem where um, if you had a different view you were basically silenced what we're trying to do is get some respect back for different views and the more different voices and faces we have in Parliament that are standing up for all sorts of different things, the better. So um, if you get us in, you'll have people that agree. Everyone agrees on freedom. Everyone agrees that the whole um, education nonsense of of the teacher decides if you're a boy or girl, um, not your 
biology is nonsense and we just have to kind of reclaim those kind of rights. Everyone agrees that we should be looking after New Zealand and New Zealanders and people before corporations. Everyone agrees that we should be getting out of the World Economic Forum and all of these globalist um, agendas. We all agree on those things. But on other things, we all disagree and we all agree that it's okay to disagree. Um, so it is a little bit hard for people to get their heads around. And what it means is you don't have to like all of us. You just have to like one of us or more, and then you can vote for us. And, okay, you're going to get others in as well. But that's okay because we've got 120 that we don't like at the moment. <laughs> at least if we yeah. get a few good voices, that will be great. And it's, um, I know it hasn't been easy, but so who are the actual parties right now who are under the umbrella and, and what are the other groups as well? Because are they all political parties or are there some groups um, joining? No, we, so we have the registered parties. Freedom New Zealand is a registered political party itself as the umbrella party. And then the New Zealand Outdoors and Freedom Party is a registered political party. Vision New Zealand is a registered political party. And then we've got um, Yes Aotearoa, which is a unregistered political party party. We've got uh, Rock the Vote New Zealand, which is based up in Auckland, an unregistered political party. And then we've got groups like the Freedom and Rights Coalition and Man Up. And I think there's, oh, and also the Direct Democracy, another unregistered political party. But yeah, they don't necessarily have to be political parties, but they just have to support freedom and, and have something to bring to the table, really. And do you have do you have a board as well that kind of uh, manages things, or is it just you know a representative from each group or yeah. party? Well, it's a, a little bit of a combination. So each party has a nomination for a board member, and then we have a, a board council meeting for Freedoms New Zealand. Uh, actually, we've got one tonight, and we've we um, also have our own boards. Like for the Outdoors and Freedom Party, we have our own board, and Vision New Zealand presumably have their own boards. So we make the sort of decisions for our own party. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you for that because it is it's hard to explain to people. Um, but basically on the party vote, party vote Freedoms New Zealand, that's that's the only choice you'll get. Outdoors and Freedom Party and Vision, they won't be on that party vote. It'll just be Freedoms New Zealand. But on the candidate vote, that's where you'll see us, depending which electorate you're in. But you should only see one of us because we're only going to have one freedom candidate between us. Excellent. Now, um, of course, this this idea of unification has been quite a uh, hot topic in the freedom movement, um, you know, and so many people have tried over the years. And, you know, some people obviously have come under the, the Freedoms NZ umbrella, others are not. There's now uh, the next question. In each electorate where there's multiple freedom and truth uh, community candidates standing, would you be open to in the future, well, you know, once it gets closer to the election, actually looking at who the strongest candidates are and everybody rallying around that person, regardless of what party they're from? Yeah, well, look, we're actually a few steps ahead of that because what we've been doing right from the start is encouraging all of the freedom parties to nominate their strongest candidates and to make sure that none of us are standing against each other. So, I had agreements with Matt King right from the start that we wouldn't stand against him and Kirsten, um, that with uh, Leighton, that we wouldn't stand against him or Wendy and um, some of the other parties that we've been talking to to try and negotiate that. And I thought we had that absolutely sorted. We certainly have it sorted within the Freedoms Umbrella that we're only going to have one candidate in each electorate, um, but, you know, obviously Vision or, or Outdoors Freedom Party or any of the other um 
parties under the umbrella, we, we're sorting out between ourselves who the best candidate is and then we're all behind that candidate. But I'm hopeful still that we can do it with all of the other freedom parties as well because it makes no sense at all having freedom people standing against each other. Um, I've talked to Liz Gunn about it. She said she'd put it in her backpack, whatever that means. Um, I'm hoping it means that she was just too busy at the time, but that once she thinks about it, she'll agree. You know, I said, look, Liz, where are you standing? We obviously wouldn't stand against you, and we'd really appreciate it if you don't stand against me, for example, in West Coast Tasman um, and some of our other, at least the candidates that have got a fighting chance of doing really well. So I'm waiting to hear back from her on that. Um, unfortunately, Winston doesn't seem to be um, too supportive of the whole concept, and he seems to just be willy-nilly putting candidates all over the place. I don't know if you'll reflect. I heard him speak um, to Sean Plunkett yesterday and he didn't seem to be too much behind his freedom candidates anymore. So I'm, I'm really not sure where he's at. Um, but definitely we'll keep working on that. We're still talking to New Conservative. We're talking to Democratic Alliance. Uh, we're talking to pretty much all of the parties. I'm talking to a lot of them myself. Um, so, you know, I'm really optimistic. It's really hard because new ones keep starting up new people keep popping up and I think they, they are a bit over optimistic that it's going to be easier than what it really is um, but I've been trying to do this for the last couple of years and we've made a fair bit of progress so we'll just keep plugging away doing what we can um, you know somebody's got a chance of winning a seat let's all get behind them it's crazy not to yeah, I, I tend to be uh, one of these optimists as well that wants everyone to have their kumbaya moment and come together. But hey, it's, you know, reality and sometimes it doesn't quite happen. So maybe, you know, it's the start of good things and it can just grow and mature as as time goes on, fingers crossed. Um, Just before you go, if people want to get involved in your campaign and support you, please um, let them know how they can get in contact and maybe where your next couple of events are going to be. Oh, thanks, Hannah. Yeah, so look through our um, Outdoors and Freedom Party Facebook page or Ali Cook is my campaign manager for West Coast Tasman. Most people know Ali because she, she wrote and sung Little White Crosses and she's very well known in her own regard for her amazing work as a singer and, and um, organising all these tours. So she's pretty easy to find on Facebook um, and otherwise through our um www.outdoorsparty.co.nz is our um, webpage and we've got an inquiries there. Teresa will get back to you if you've got any questions out there, if you want to help, or through Freedoms New Zealand, if you want to help the wider um, Umbrella Party. So Jenny's the person to contact there. Freedoms New Zealand has got a Facebook page as well and a webpage, so it's easy enough to make contact with us. And we would love all the help we can get, whatever you think you can do, if you've got a space for a sign, um, if you if you want to help us organise an event, meeting, anything is really appreciated because there's just so much to do this time of the year coming into the election. And, um, you know, we're all volunteers. We're all just doing what we can. So anyone that's got any good ideas or can help in any way is hugely appreciated. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Sue, and we wish you all the best. And we hope to catch up with you again uh, before the uh, election day and any of your other candidates as well. Awesome. Thanks, Hannah. It would be great if you can interview Donna and Ali and some of our other candidates. I'm actually meeting VJ this morning, who was a Democratic Alliance candidate, and then he was stepped down and he's now under vision. So I met him recently. We're having another chat this morning while I'm in Hamilton. So there's lots of different things going on, some great candidates out there. Awesome. Thanks, Sue. Brilliant. Thank you. See ya. See ya. A couple of things I did miss out with Sue. 
that I did call her back on to get clarification was one, her stance on the World Health Organization. And she said that they would definitely pull out. She also told me that she's looked into it and she's worked out a way that they can actually remove themselves or remove New Zealand from the World Health Organization. Um, That would, of course, take a little bit more time to explain. But she looks forward to coming on uh, the show in future to tell us about that. And the second thing was regarding mainstream media and how how it is this time round compared to last time because in 2020 the freedoms um, the New Zealand Freedoms Party as it was called sorry the free, the New Zealand Outdoors Party as it was called then um, actually got no mainstream media coverage and just before the election they actually had their Facebook account blocked. So there was a lot of shenanigans going on, uh, but this year she's finding it uh, that the mainstream media is having to uh, give her a bit of airtime or you know some um, column space because there's just so many people behind behind them behind this whole movement. We're actually too big to ignore now, and she's actually very happy for platforms like Counterspin and RCR Radio now as well, um, because of course we like to get the truth out there um, from her and her colleagues as they want to say it. We're not going to chop them up and try and stitch them up. Now, of course, we are the real resistance, unlike uh, Sean Plunkett. And you would have heard Sue mention a piece um, about Winston Peters recently on Sean Plunkett. So have a listen to this. Uh, There's just two parts that we really want to highlight. The first is um, what Sue referenced to Winston and his... um, and his candidates. And then, of course, the second part is just how our colleagues over at the platform actually like to talk about us and our candidates on the freedom side. Listen to this. Are you comfortable have on, having a conspiracy theorist like Jenny Marcroft as a candidate for New Zealand First? No, look, I'll tell you what, you should be very careful about a thing called defamation because it's not Jenny Marcroft Bring it on. said that. Sorry, it's Jenny. No, Who was no. it? Which one of your candidates? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know, but... Oh, but you do I have think. candidates that believe those things. No, 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 let me look. few moments later. So you agree that you got that wrong? Right, okay, so, well, so, okay, so, I've, it's been reported that she's a conspiracy theorist, I, is I, she? No, 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 no. You agree it wasn't Jenny Markov, but it was some other person that is trying to be a candidate for New Zealand first. Oh, trying the to be a candidate. So you have no that, candidates who believe in, in, in cloud seeding? That 9-11 was an inside job or the World Economic Forum is running some sort of deal with the Illuminati. No conspiracy theorists are New Zealand first candidates. I never, candidates. Chance, I never yeah. got a chance to answer the question and you, that you mistakenly phrased in the first place and now you have another go. A few inches later. Okay, but you do have potential candidates who are conspiracy theory anti-vax nutters. Oh, look, first of all, I am multi-vaxxed. More moments later. And we have never... Yeah, no, it wasn't my question, Winston. You know it. I'm getting there. No, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Soon after. Kirsten Murphitt was the one that really stuck out. Well, so now you've gone to the third. (laughs) This person actually shared some... um, We've done some study and they said... And we found out she shared shared some information. It wasn't her opinion. And back then, when these things were all dancing around, everybody was sharing stuff and all of a sudden... Here we come, the trolls saying, oh, this is a major sin. You shared something. Whether they agreed or not didn't matter to them. So we're Generally sharing something and saying, read this, is an indication that you agree with it. 
No, it's not. It can be all sorts of things. It can be you're careless. You hit the button, send it off to your friends. This is literature stuff. Watch this. And this is what happens in many cases. So I would I say, Winston, my apologies to Jenny Markroft, suggesting she was Kirsten Murphy. Gee, I finally got that out of you after all There we time. go. As That's contemporaneous an apology as I could provide. So Kirsten Murphy isn't a conspiracy theory whack job? No, the reality is all these people are, as I say, they want to be candidates. They're all provisional. And they're all watched until a very critical time when we say, this is a sign-off here. Now... I'm not going to go and jump all over somebody because somebody made allegations about what they shared. Let's find out the truth. But the, the reason that the Sunday Star Times did, they did this, they're on a dirt campaign. They're trying to stop a political party from winning the election. Not by ever printing what Winston Peters has said. They've never print, printed one of my speeches anywhere in this country. Not one word. Right. Just attack. So, Mr Peters, so, you are comfortable having people who believe 9-11 was an inside job, that chemtrails are real, no, and Pfizer's no, part no, you no, are going to no. be happy having them as candidates. They will not be candidates if that's what they believe. Full stop. Sean is demonstrating exactly what he likes to criticise the mainstream media about, ad hominem attacks, um, trying to shut down people who want to use their free speech. Um, it's just... Mainstream media tactics, but it doesn't surprise us. Uh, Sean recently liked to call us a racist, uh, nutters, you know, cookers, all that kind of stuff. So it's just unfortunate to see because he likes to set himself up as, you know, a bastion of free speech. And you could see actually Winston there doing a bit of a dance with him. Um, Winston did kind of try and put a bit of distance between some of his candidates in the end saying that, you know, they wouldn't make their final decision until uh, just before writ day. But, you know, Winston, you can kind of see him trying to battle on um, and and actually back his candidates. So make of that what you will. Uh, we know Winston's a very wily politician. He's been doing this for 40-odd years. Uh, so he's he's no, he's no he's not... Um, not green, that's for sure. Now, they did, Sean did mention uh, geoengineering in that clip, and we thought we would dig out a clip that we played way back uh, in episode 87, Weather Wars. We also referenced geoengineering in episode 86, Romanian bombshell, Turkey at war. And this is one of the men behind the curtain pulling the strings, George Soros. Sir David has a plan to repair the climate system. He wants to recreate the albedo effect by creating white clouds high above the earth with proper scientific safeguards and, and, uh, and in consultation with local indigenous communities. This project could help re-stabilize the Arctic climate system which governs the entire global climate system. The message is clear. Human interference has destroyed the previously stable system and human ingenuity, both local and international, will be needed to restore it. You'll note there the date, February 2023, that was a conference held in Munich where Soros was addressing the people there. Also, the White House and Congress mandated report that came out in June of this year. So it's just demonstrating the rapid pace at which 
these things are actually rolling out. They were once a conspiracy theory. They're now rolling out as conspiracy fact right before our very eyes. So, Sean, it's not that difficult to go and find this open source information. Uh, You might like to go and look at former CIA John Brennan and what he had to say at the Council on Foreign Relations about geoengineering, which is just the technical term for chemtrails. Um, And just look at what Bill Gates is funding. He's another big player in this whole um, movement. I don't know what you want to call it. They, they're trying to say it's saving us from climate change and there are other people who say it's doing the opposite. So, Sean, wake up, smell a coffee or just have a cup of tea and go back to sleep. Someone who's not sleeping, however, and is doing some great work is our next guest, uh, Hannah Tamaki. She's standing up and saying many things that are resonating with a lot of people around the country. Here's our chat from earlier. We are now joined by the leader of Vision New Zealand, Hannah Tamaki. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you for um, having the good grace to come on and, um, you know, show people that we can move forward. I know there was a bit of a debacle on, um, you know, a few weeks ago. Did you want to make a comment about that or should we just get into where you're at with the campaign? Oh, just leave things in, in the past and let's just move forward because I think tomorrow's always a better day. Excellent. Okay, so you're in Aotearoa at the moment. What's happening with Vision New Zealand at the moment? Well, we're launching um, our candidate for Waiariki, Charles Hunia, and um, born here, works here, a teacher, um, somebody that's worked with the community for many years now and put his hand up. Of course, I campaigned last time in Waiariki because I've got the relationship here. But um, Charles has put his hand up and he's an amazing candidate. So in actual fact, Vision New Zealand's got 25 candidates across across New Zealand. So very excited with the team that we have and we are having a fabulous time. Excellent. Now, you are also part of the Umbrella Party, Freedoms NZ. And we had Sue on and she's given us a bit of an overview on what that means. Um, so, you know, you're all standing in your own electorate seats Yes. Um, and you're standing in central Auckland, is that correct? Yeah, I'm standing in um, Tamaki Makoto. So um, my tagline is Tamaki for Tamaki. So I'm standing in Māori seat again because I stood in a Māori seat last election. So I'm being very consistent. My message is still the same. It is about the well-being of our family, um, looking forward to a better future and how we can uh, support the people on the ground whose voices are not heard all the time. I mean, politicians come out and, when it's polling time or, you know, it's election time, they make all these promises and they then they flip-flop and they change their mind. But I think if people see the way I'm campaigning, the way our candidates are campaigning, there's that consistency and that flow there. Excellent. So so you've got 25 standing in the electorate seats and then, but you would like people to party vote Freedoms NZ. Yeah. So how is how does that work for you from your point of view? Well, what we do is we stand candidates and we don't stand candidates against each other that are under the umbrella. So um, we made that commitment when the people in Tauranga for the by-election and Sue was there and she heard the people say it and we all were like, okay, that's going to happen. So for me, I waited for a little while because I thought, oh, are people really going to do this? Will they want to do this? And um, it seemed like, you know, hey, people did like it. But then it was quite funny because people kept saying, oh, this one's got an ego, that one's got an ego. But it seems to me that the ones that keep saying ego are the ones that seem to have the ego because none of them now want to be a part of 
the umbrella. So what happens is we forfeit our party vote to Freedoms NZ, which, hey, I don't mind anyway, because if we're collaborating and collecting um, party votes, that's fine. And then you stand the candidates in the seats where you, you know, you've got good people standing, quality people, people that have a uh, the same passion and desires that you have. Um, and that's what we're doing. So right from, you know, up in Auckland, our furthest, oh, actually North Harbour, all the way down to Invercargill, Vision New Zealand has candidates. So I've got four for the Māori seats. Um, maybe getting another couple, just got to wait to see how jobs work out. And then um, the rest of them are in general seats. So we're very excited uh, with the calibre of um, candidates that we have for Vision New Zealand. Excellent. Now, can you um, clarify something for me as well? Because I'm just, it's a bit confusing. So with the kind of coattail arrangement, like say you had, like you win your seat, mm-hmm. um, then depending on the percentage of your party vote, you would, if you were just standing, you know, under vision, you would mm-hmm. get extra candidates in. Yes. Um. Do you know how that would work, you know, depending, like, say, again, you won your seat under the Umbrella Party, would you get extra candidates based on the percentage of the Umbrella Party vote, or how does that work? Well, we actually set up a, a party list, and obviously it's going to have the leaders first. Um, so uh, Brian and Sue are the lead, the co-leaders of um, Freedoms NZ, and then there's me, um, the lead of Revision New Zealand, um, and so we will just – we're working on our list now – um, obviously, we've got a group called Rock the Vote New Zealand who have got Paul Davies standing in central Auckland. So he will be on the list. So we, when you commit to um, Freedoms NZ, your name will go on the list. So obviously, when um, Outdoors and Freedom have other candidates standing, it will go uh, their candidate, our candidate, their candidate, it will go backwards and forwards. It'll go to the ones that are actually standing in seats. So I know that they're, um, they've got a, a Zoom tonight, um, the council, uh, and I deliberately pulled back from the council because people go, you know, Brian and Hannah Tamaki. So, of course, it, I have a representative, whether the party secretary, Anne Williamson, or Heka Robinson, the deputy leader of Vision New Zealand. They represent me on the council meeting, and I don't... Um, I'm allowed to listen in and I don't think they care, but I actually don't speak to it because I think it's only fair that other people speak to it. So that's how we're doing it. And you know what? We're flowing so beautifully. When we did the tour across the, the, the nation, we went right from Kaitai all the way down to Invercargill. We had an amazing flow and the people coming out just loved it. So that's how we're working it and that's how an umbrella is supposed to work. And you see all these people now like, oh, the egos, it's, you know what, people? If we want to make a difference, we really do have to unite, especially the freedom community. And um, so that's where I'm sitting. But, you know, um, Vision New Zealand is hard out campaigning. I'm launching, um, I've already launched four candidates. We've got the Waiariki candidate tonight. Tomorrow, um, after Saturday, I've got two launches. And Sunday, I've got another launch. So for me, I'm getting across the country to these wonderful candidates. And um, I'm looking forward to Wellington next week. We've got all candidates down in Wellington and one in Levin. So busy time, but exciting time. 
Awesome. So um, you also mentioned earlier that, you know, the different parties within the umbrella will not be standing candidates against each other in the electorates. What about with the other freedom parties? Like, could you come to some sort of arrangement that you all, you know, you'll look at who's winning an electorate and the strongest candidate stand there so that the whole freedom community just has one um, candidate to vote for? Well, they better hurry up and let us know where they're standing candidates because, to be honest, I've already got, you know, my 25 candidates and I'm not going to actually start pulling them out now because they're financing their their campaigns. They're putting their time and effort into their billboards and they're already out campaigning. So, um, you know, if if they're standing somewhere where we're not standing, well, look, hey, you know, we have got people, other people wanting to, but at the end of the day, I've got to know where they are standing their candidates, but I haven't heard anything yet. So I don't know whether they keep us out of the loop. I mean, hello, we're supposed to be, we want to work together. We want um, the freedom community represented. So all I can say is, you know, hey, send me a, a message. Tell me where you're standing your candidates and let's see if we can even help you in the area that uh, you're wanting to stand candidates. Okay, so maybe there will be some sort of uh, leeway there to come to the table, even though it's getting quite down to the wire. Well, let's see what happens. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned a few of your... Um, policies early and what you're standing for. Did you have any more main points you wanted to make about what's important to Vision NZ? Well, I campaigned last time purely on, on family and the people on the ground and um, immigration. And I think I did put out another video because three years ago on the AM show, I talked about the fact with Duncan Gardner that, you know, you can't bring people into your home and to, when you can't house them, can't feed them, can't shelter them. So I did that three years ago, and then I did another message about it on the weekend, talking about you can't bring people in and not be able to look after them. And then, hello, don't we have on Monday that story of those terrible, that, that terrible situation where those immigrants are left in a house altogether, and then they've got no food and they ring up the police? And this is exactly what I was campaigning on three years ago and still now, that you can't bring people into our nation and not look after them. And the other thing is we've got to look after our own people first. So that's part of it. And then I also, we've got a, a Maori policy that we're launching tonight. Um, so there are a few things that we've got. The other thing is we share our policies. So um, the law and order policy under Freedoms NZ, we'll be using that policy as well because it is about blending and sharing. And I think the more minds you have together, the more intellectual knowledge, the more um, understanding of uh, what our nation needs, it's the sharing. So the wonderful thing with us is that we're sharing. Like I am so against 1080. So when it comes to the Outdoor Freedom Party, how they're pushing for that, looking after our, our whenua, our land, I mean, we're 100% behind that. So we share and we blend. It's not like that's fine, that's yours. No, in actual fact, we've come together so well. We all get on so well. We have laughs. We do things together. And um, we're just loving this journey. It's just a shame that more people went on this journey with us because they'd actually see that Brian and Hannah aren't so bad after all. We actually can be quite fun people. Cool. So, so you've got your own parties and then you've got shared um, policies for the Umbrella Party itself. And then once you get into Parliament, do you stay as one Umbrella Freedoms NZ party or do you then break away into your own individual parties again? Well, I, I, I'd I, hope that we would stick together so we could form a, a, a nice group together. And then, of course, the party that has the strength in 
their policy would talk to that. And the thing is, you, the more minds you have, the more people speaking to it, the better. So, of course, I wouldn't want to start speaking about the policies that are on the heart or the conviction of the Outdoors and Freedom Party. That's theirs. Um, but it'd be great to be able to promote it, um, encourage people to get behind them. Um, I don't think it's like, let's just rush to the finish line and then we'll go our own way. I actually think that we've blended and we get on so well that we would actually work together in behind the scenes as well as publicly. Nice. And so the other thing um, that I think all mainstream, sorry, all freedom parties are struggling with is how to cut through into the mainstream. Um, Not only with... uh, getting to the people because obviously so there's so much shadow banning on social media but also the mainstream media have you got a strategy around that well i've already had a few really good stories in the herald um you know i think thankfully i stood in the last election and i had quite a big profile um in the media so i have already had a few stories um I'm, we're also um, having another story with the herald again on monday um so I do actually get a bit of media, which is quite good. Uh, I don't know whether it's about fighting for it or whatever. It just seems to come to me, which is really good. So I think if we all – I know that if we all work together, we a lot of the things that they're all saying that they're for are the pillars that we've all talked about right from the very beginning. So it's like, okay, we're sharing those pillars. We've spoken those pillars out publicly. We've travelled the country saying the very things now that these other parties are coming out and saying. I'm talking about the minor parties. And um, so the, the I know for a fact we would get an amazing, and I could guarantee an amazing media coverage if more parties came in the umbrella. And it's look, it's just an umbrella. It's the umbrella of hope. It's an umbrella where we can come together we're like-minded people. We're passionate about the same things. We want our freedoms back. We want to ban mandates. We want to ban 1080. We want to work for the family. We want to be able to get finance for houses. We want our food to be cheaper. There's so many things that we all agree on. And yet I can't understand why they don't want to work together. And Is I it ha- too late? Like if someone decided, you know, one of these other parties decided they wanted to come under the umbrella, what's the cutoff? Never too late. The thing is this, the Electoral Commission, if by time, I mean, I think it'll be maybe too late after the party list is um, um, submitted, but if you did it in the next week or so, honestly, we could do it. And I know that it is possible. We all have the same heart for our nation and our people. And honestly, I wish some of them would have come and talked to me because I'm still running Vision New Zealand my way. I'm of my own leader. Freedoms don't tell me how to do things, what to do. They're not scrutinising my my candidates. I get my candidates and then I tell them, I've got this candidate, I've got this candidate, and there's there's no control at all. If anything, everybody is flowing so beautifully. It's to be, it's, it's like a dream, honestly. Um, I even had hesitation at the beginning, like, how is this going to look? But to be honest, it's running so lovely. It's If only people would talk to me, I could have sat down and told them how it works and there's not control and all the things you're fearing, you know, it's not going to come upon you because you still have the freedom to run your party your way. Yeah, I, I suppose the only thing I would have to put in there is the new nation party because I don't really know what happened there. Um, yeah, uh, uh, should I tell you? <laughs> yes, go on. I'll tell you honestly, 
they um, were upset because Sue hadn't signed um, our membership, uh, the memorandum, but Sue was waiting for the court case. She wanted to see what would happen. Would we get more funding? So she was waiting for the result of that. And you know what? They didn't give us the full amount, but we got a little bit more. So it was worth her fighting for it. Now, they wanted her to be signed by a specific time on a specific date. And the thing is, it was only a day after what they wanted. So in actual fact, they broke the deal. The deal what the deal actually is you, um, you work together up to the election. You give a month's notice if you're going to leave. And um, you give a month's notice if you want to leave. And then you can leave after the election. Now, they did not even tell Freedoms NZ. Freedoms NZ was notified by the Electoral Commission. So the, it was disingenuous that they had did it that way. But, you know, they had to do what they wanted to do. Um, but the thing is, we were gracious waiting for Sue because Sue had given us her word. She'd put it out there publicly. People knew that. And all we were waiting for was the result from that um, hearing that Sue went to the High Court in Wellington. And what what's 24 hours? So um, it was a little bit disappointing, but at the end of the day, we've all moved on. We're still doing things. We've got amazing billboards across the country. We've got digital billboards right across the country. Um, it's just our campaign is looking fabulous. Excellent. Um, and one more question before you go, um, because, of course, you know, Sue's also mentioned pulling out of, um, you know, these big, uh, attachments to foreign influences yeah. and the the World Health Organization ha is changing some of their um their international health regulations as we speak mm. um essentially we we would hand over New Zealand you know medical sovereignty to the World Health Organization have you got any thoughts around that if they did um say there was another health emergency or another pandemic tomorrow um you know, do you think we would put up with lockdowns again? Do you, would you kind of, you know, you've already said you're against mandates, but what would your position be around the World Health Organization? It would be absolutely no. Look where we are today. People are walk, going, traveling the world freely, living freely. They've lifted all the restrictions. Why would you bring it back? You'd only bring it back for control. It's amazing how many Kiwis are saying we will not allow the government to lock us down again. We will they're saying rebel. But anyway, we're having a big stand on the 28th of September to, as a protest against all the things that they want to do to our beautiful country. We've got to say enough is enough. We've got to come together. We've got to stand together. And we've got to say we're not going to bow down to anything that you guys have agreed to that the people of New Zealand do not want. So stop it. Stop it now. Yeah, and Sue said that that's not um, specifically a party um, event for you guys so no. all the different parties are welcome yeah um, all the different groups are welcome absolutely and it's yeah an opportunity for you know a bit of unity before the election well we want to stand together I think all of us believe that our nation deserves better leadership than it's got it it the, the liberty and the freedom that was taken from New Zealanders the medical things that were done to New Zealanders, some against their, you know, their deeper conviction purely because they wanted to hold their jobs and their businesses. Thank goodness there are people like us and many others who said no and we still know and we will continue to say 
no, my body, my choice, and I say no. Awesome. Thanks so much, Hannah. Um, where can people find you if they want to get involved in your campaign um, and what's the best way to reach out? Well, hey, they can message me on Messenger because I do interact with people. I do take phone calls, even from numbers I don't know. Um, but they can go to the um, Vision website, have a look, send us a message, go to our Facebook page, send us a message. That's where we're getting all the places for our billboards. People are messaging us saying, you can put a billboard at my place. And but what they're doing is they're going around the nation, cutting out faces, cutting out words, pushing them over. It's like, people, let's get on with the business. <laughs> yep. Keep it clean, guys. Keep it clean. Yeah. We can rise above. All right. Thanks so much, Hannah. Really appreciate uh, you yeah. coming on. And hopefully we'll get some of your other candidates on and get an update in the weeks to come. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. And as Hannah touched on, she is very supportive and very protective of women's and girls' spaces. And that is a agenda that has finally reached New Zealand that – men should be allowed into female spaces. And I just thought I'd bring up this clip because the current opposition, the National Party, is actually, if polls are to be believed, going to be the presumptive government in October. Now, here is their deputy leader, Nicola Willis, and her thoughts on women's and girls' spaces. While I've got you here, there are just two other things I do want to ask questions about. Um... And I'm not trying to put you on the spot or ask for you to be disloyal towards uh, your leader. Winston Peters has come out most definitely on the issue of transgender women's access to women's spaces. And he says no one with a penis belongs in a woman's changing room or a woman's toilet. And he says no person with male genitalia who is biologically a man should play sport against a woman. It is a very, very clear, and in this politically correct time, a very, very uh, clear statement about what can be a controversial and emotive issue. Where is the National Party on this? Where are you on this? Uh, well, look, on the question of sport, we've said that that is a question for the individual sporting codes to come up with their rules. And as you can see, uh, sporting codes around the world are making some changes there uh, lately. Do you think they're making the right uh, changes? Well, I think they're making the changes that they think are needed to make their sports. So, okay, so this is so on the sport. You're not taking a position. Well, I, I think it is up to the individual sporting codes to work out yeah. uh, how they how they enforce these. Yeah, rules and that's called not taking a position okay. on the issue itself. But that's well, what, fine. Well, that's fine as long as we know what sure. that is, Nicola. Yeah, I, I would just gently ask. What exactly is Winston Peters saying should happen? He is saying no biological man should... He's saying biological men should not compete against women in sport and women's sport. It's unambiguous. Okay, well, uh, we'll see uh, how that all comes to pass. All right. Um, What about changing spaces? Well, again, um, we think that individual institutions... Uh, and uh, will make their own decisions about the way they arrange their bathrooms whether um, and the, the rules around them. Changing rooms at municipal swimming pools? As, as I've said, um, individual uh, swimming pools will make their decisions uh, about how they uh, enforce and require uh, their bathrooms to be run. All right. You're a mum. How would you feel about your daughters um, changing, sharing changes, spaces with biological men who cross It has literally... 
It has literally never happened. Uh, it's a bridge I'm yet to cross, and can I? If you were you having to that, cross that bridge, where would you be with it? Uh, I've got this rule in politics, which is I deal with um, the actual events that happen in front of me and that are presented to me, and that's one that hasn't um, happened. So, um, all right. And that is another clip from the platform with Sean Plunkett. And credit where credit's due, Sean Plunkett actually came down on the right side of that debate and, you know, pressed Nicola to give us her real thoughts. And she was just absolutely pathetic. And it actually made me very angry listening to her because she is currently the deputy leader of the opposition who may well actually come into power come October and the way Luxon's going, he's a self-declared feminist. Now, being a feminist these days is not what it once was. Of course, bra burning and you know women's rights was the traditional sense of of a feminist. Nowadays, it's do you think a man with a you know dick can be a chick? That's basically what it is. And Nicola Willis is actually saying that yeah, she's quite happy for men who like to dress as women, to go into female spaces. And she may be the next Prime Minister because Luxon is not polling very well as the preferred Prime Minister. So I am not uh, very happy at the moment. There's nobody actually standing out for women's and girls' rights apart from those in the minor parties. And another woman who is actually standing out for women and girls, and she actually exposed a book about sex education, which is a whole nother topic, but that's another part of this whole gender-bending agenda that's getting rolled out, is Liz Gunn from New, New Zealand Loyal, and we spoke to her. And now we are joined by one of the uh, late entrants into this very exciting electoral race that I think is going to be 2023, the dark horse Liz Gunn from New Zealand, let me get this right, New Zealand Loyal. Yes, yes. welcome. New Zealand loyal. I love it. And I love that horse race metaphor because I often feel like that. You know, the most exciting horse races are where that horse comes up from way not even existing at the back of the field and suddenly it's there and you're going, I didn't see that horse before. And then it just overtakes the rest of the horses, runs through the final line. It's pretty much what New Zealand loyal is tracking for. Hannah, that's my vision. <laughs> well, that's that's a great vision. Um, and how, how's the campaign? You know, the, you're still in the process of getting registered. Is that correct? Yeah, we had a really interesting aberrant um, request, I'll put it, where we were asked, and I don't think any of the other applicants were asked to do this. We were asked to deliver back all the membership forms with handwritten signatures, no electronic ones. Um, and, you know, that we could have appealed, that would have taken time. We were running against the clock. This miracle happened. I put out an appeal. I said, come on, Kiwis who are loyal to New Zealand. And everybody flooded those membership forms back in within two to three days. We had more than we needed. We put in 50 extra, 550. One of our team stayed up from eight in the morning till 4.30 the next morning, checking every detail on every form. Another of of our supporters drove that right down to Wellington, turned up with the the forms for the second time. And I think the Electoral Commission realized, hmm, these guys are very determined and they're not going to be stopped. So that was when somebody in there said, yes, I will help get this through. You've really gone above and beyond. And we were rung two days later to say there was one minor 
problem with one of the 550 forms. 549 were absolutely perfect. That says a lot about the quality of the loyalist supporter, the, the loyalist, as I'm calling them. We're Kiwis. We're all in this together. I'm not coming to save anybody. This is not a party that's going to do it for Kiwis. We're all doing this for each other, Hannah. This is how it has to be. And a beautiful supporter from Tokoroa rang me in the weekend. He said his whole car specked up with loyal tags. So if you go through Tokoroa, give him a wave and give him a toot. Um, but he said to me, you know, Liz, this reminds me of Freedom Village. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, the feeling is that we're all in this, doing it for each other, and we all have to play our part. We all have to roll up our sleeves and contribute to this People's Party taking power back for the people of New Zealand from the globalists and the, more importantly, the sellout puppets of the globalists. That's all 120 politicians in there at the moment, including national, and don't think that ACT is going to save you. David Seymour, I've been told from a number of sources, was desperate to get to Davos, and he wanted to be part of the WEF monsters. We're not having it. We weren't consulted about selling our country out to WEF or BlackRock or any other international corporate or shady organisation. We want power back for Kiwis. Exactly. And um, another question I've been asking the others that I've had on is the who. They're, they're introducing more legislation to take away our sovereignty. What's your position on, uh, you know, say they were to introduce a pandemic tomorrow and have more lockdowns, more mandated vaccines? Um, I'm sure I can imagine what you're going to say, but let, let New Zealanders know. Well, I'll give you a good example. A, a fairly you know, nice fellow, but a fairly weak fellow. He didn't. He didn't want to stand. But instead of saying, no, I don't feel courageous enough to stand up, it's too hard. He said to me, oh, you're all the same. And my reply to him in the weekend was, I want you to ask the other parties this. Who of all the other parties is making a clear platform that says we will withdraw New Zealand from the United Nations, which is taking away the land from our farmers, which is threatening to put all Kiwis in ghastly 15-minute cities, which are basically like living in the Gaza Strip, they will be open-air prisons, nothing more than that, with all our rights taken away. We don't want the United Nations running New Zealand. And there's a big story there about United Nations corruption. And then in addition, which other party is also saying New Zealand's going to be pulled out of the World Economic Forum? Any, I believe, any politician who says, oh, I can't wait to get to Davos and, and go and see all my buddies over there, Klaus Schwab and all the others, that's you're being a traitor to our country. That's treason. And the third thing is the World Health Organization, which is now run by a man who appears to be rather shaky. Some around the world are saying Bill Gates could be thrown under the bus because of his leaks with Epstein and the revelations there that he had uh, an affair. There's There's been a lot going on um, just lately. And some are saying, are all the world's furtive leaders who hover behind the scenes, are they going to throw Bill Gates under the bus? The Gates Foundation runs the World Health Organization. When the people who have suggested that this is a pandemic and the world must shut down are the same as the people who are also selling the so-called solution to the so-called pandemic, namely forced jabs, when they are one and the same, 
as a journalist, Hannah, you know that there is a story of corruption there. So the Gates Foundation made billions out of this last response to a supposed pandemic, while they themselves were pushing for the WHO to declare this a pandemic. Does that smell rotten to you? So that was the long answer. Short answer is New Zealand's leaving the WHO, and we are not going to be dictated to by any international pandemic treaty or otherwise. We'll offer Kiwis jabs if you want them, sure, take them. But we'll offer Kiwis a, a beautiful buffet of other health options in which you can truly become healthy by having, for example, top quality food because we're going to support our farmers. You can have wonderful osteopathy or homeopathy or acupuncture. We've got these Chinese, wonderful Chinese migrants who understand the details of acupuncture. Or we've got wonderful Ayurvedic medicine within our Indian community. There are so many there are energy medicines, quantum healing uh, medicines that are coming through, ways of healing. And we will look into all of that. It won't be a one-size-fits-all world health, world health organization jab for everybody or you don't live kind of solution under a New Zealand loyal government. And the other question that I've been asking today as well, um, so there's obviously a number of other freedom parties. Would you consider, you know, for the electric candidates – um, accommodating, you know, whoever the strongest party is, no matter which, uh, sorry, which the strongest candidate, no matter which party they're from, would you consider communicating with the other parties and kind of doing a deal around that to encourage the voter base to vote for that single person? But then obviously New Zealand Loyal is the party vote. Yeah, look, I think the primary reason for all of us to be doing this is what? It's saving our country from the globalists and it's putting people into power who do not lie to the people of New Zealand, who are not so hungry for power and control, which is pathetic, or fame, which is even more pathetic. They, they want to serve New Zealanders and get rid of the corrupt forces that have been corrupting our beautiful land. So anybody who measures up to those very fundamental levels, there are certain single candidates I can think of who would be ideal and we would not go up against them. That's really important because we all want to be in that together. There are some who look really questionable even on our side. I'm not going to name names here, Hannah, but some who needed to really investigate certain claims that have uh, shown up highly questionable behaviours on the so-called freedom side. And that worries me because if they're not going to investigate them now, could they fall prey to the same kind of ego and, dare I say, corruption that we've seen from the Labour leadership? Power is a very, I saw it when I was in mainstream media, it's a very seductive, very empty mistress, power and fame and money. They... They're like building your your house on sand, not rock, because when that big wave comes in, it all just melts away. It has no real value. What has real value is integrity, real commitment to serving our country, really caring with all your heart and might that you will stand up even when it's difficult for our country. And those people who are nasty and spreading rumors and being petty and catty, they have no place in this now. We are a whisker away from tyranny. We need the most brave, the most ethical, the most caring, and those who want to serve New Zealand now to win the day. And I will work with anybody who comes from that place, Hannah. 
Yeah, and I, I guess I will have to put this um, question to you because so many people are asking out there and we've had um, Sue on and Hannah Tamaki on and they are saying that, you know, there's still room for other parties to come into the umbrella. Is that something that New Zealand Loyal would consider? I just did a really interesting interview with one of the candidates who we're going to declare tomorrow and he said he himself, um, I won't say the name because it's being put out tomorrow, but he said he himself has been in those coalitions and they end up being these terribly watered down sort of talk fest things, a lot of ego and a lot of um, denuding of the purity of of really good people just through all the energy going into trying to please one another instead of facing outwards to the voters. So I would say a political marriage that is poorly thought through and ill-conceived and a poor match is much, much worse than having a wonderful garden with lots of options. I believe on the whole idea of getting together, I believe this, I think there are up to 2 million floating votes in this election. It's not like previous elections. It will not be wasted if you vote with your heart and your guts. And why do I say up to 2 million? You think about it. There are all the freedom fighters and the truth tellers and the ones who did the investigation. Then there are all the people who've been jab injured and the ones whose families have had a member that have died. And then on top of that, Hannah, we have the people who lost their jobs, have lost their homes, possibly their marriages. Now we also have parents waking up going, what's happening at school? My child's coming home saying, oh, the teacher said today I can be a boy or a girl. What what brainwashing nonsense is this coming from our government? And then on top of that, we have all the divisions of Māori and Pākehā where we used to be one people. We can see that the government we have in at the moment has really tried to divide people. So a lot of sensible Māori and sensible Pākehā, sensible European are saying, Let's just let's just not vote for what we've ever voted for before and look beyond that to those who offer really solid policies. That would easily number two million people in New Zealand. All we have to do is get the common sense policies out there and not waste our time debating with other leaders whose policies and ways of behaving are very different. And I say, let the two million decide. On the last election, to get 5%, you only needed 130,000 votes. Maybe everybody can get in, but it should be based first and foremost on good policies. Secondly, that the people vote with your heart. Don't worry about the strategy voting this time. If you all vote with your hearts, the right people with the right policies that most serve you will get in. And then let's see if people who are not standing fully for the truth are exposed in the coming Weeks, you know, they say a week is a long time in politics. And I think that's what's going on here. People are showing up as being who they really are. And I could say, arguably, that that happened with Matt King. Um, so, you know, it, it is clear that that if we give it time, I believe the people are so smart in their voting choices that they will work it out themselves. They don't need us all to be one party. They need choice. They need intelligent policies and they need committed people standing up for the freedom of our country, their country. And then the last question is in regards to, of course, there's a lot of uh, Facebook, you know, social media censorship. How do we cut through that and how do we cut through the mainstream media censorship as well and actually be able to speak to those people that may not have heard 
um, your message or just the freedom message in general? It's it's a great question. I love the idea of not needing legacy media. They haven't been there for the last three years. Why don't we do it the other way, the Kiwi way? And what is that way? It is person to person to person. We have, we still have two months until the election and person to person, we can talk in groups, we can talk around tables at night, we can talk to our workmates and say, these policies, for example, the taxation policy that I'm putting out on Sunday, that one will make such a vast difference to the quality of Kiwi lives and to the speed with which Kiwis can rebuild our lives after the decimation from the COVID-19 lockdowns, which were designed ultimately to ruin the middle class in New Zealand. We have found ways to bring back a way to supercharge the middle class engine of this country. And when you have that engine strong, you don't have room for communism or Marxism agendas like the Agenda 2030 uh, World Economic Forum completely ignorant ideas are. The people will turn away from those ideas, will turn away from the brainwashing in the media. So let's turn away from the mainstream media now. How do we do it? We talk to one another and I'll be getting a bus. I'll be going through New Zealand. We used to do it all without social media. I'll be going hall to hall and barn, farm barn to farm barn, cafes, Everywhere that I can, I'll be talking to the real people of New Zealand and putting to them, this is the key, ideas that I believe will serve New Zealanders. But above all, I will be listening to Kiwis. Politicians have not listened to Kiwis for decades. And I want to hear what the real people of New Zealand have to say. And when we get in, your ideas, our ideas will be reflected in how we run this country. That is key. And the other key is honouring our farmers, once again, honouring the backbone of this country. I want New Zealand Loyal to really be the party of the farmers. And that will provide food security for all our families across New Zealand. When you're not worrying about how you feed your children, you can start to look out and think, what is the world I want to build? Ultimately, it's about birthing a new New Zealand. And Hannah, you've just birthed a baby. You know how hard it is. We're in a hard part of the birth. But when we birth this baby, it will be something that benefits and blesses all of us. Yes, birth certainly is not easy. So um, hopefully it'll be a beautiful thing just around the corner. Now, how can people, if they want to get involved um, with your party and what you're doing, how can they reach out and get in touch? Great. The website is nzloyal.org.nz and we have got the offers all on spreadsheets. We're getting through replying to all of the thousands and thousands of Kiwis who are literally saying what I said earlier. Yep. I'm ready. I want to roll up my sleeves. I want to do my part in my town. One woman, this is the difference one human can make in this country. She walked around on Sunday afternoon and wrote to me Sunday night. I delivered 1,500 of the New Zealand loyal leaflets in one afternoon. And plus, she said it made me fitter. So that was really nice. <laughs> she got something out of it. I like that win-win. But imagine that. If everybody who's offered to do leaflets, and there are thousands on our spreadsheet, we will get the leaflets to you all. We'll get them in the letterboxes. Sensible Kiwis will go, my God, no one else is offering this level of honesty, of ability to rebuild our family life and our economy and refuel the country in every way, including opening Marsden Point, but refuel it with optimism, pride in our country, unity. 
And the love that we have for one another when with this horrible, divisive, mendacious government is kicked out once and for all. I hope Labour is never in power again. And I'd add the Greens in there. And we are the party to replace National and ACT, who, believe you me, will not save you from the globalists. They are fully down with them. So vote New Zealand loyal, nzloyal.org.nz. Excellent. Thank you so much, Liz. And we really wish you the best for um, this coming election. Thank Thank you, you. Hannah. And while Liz Gunn is very loyal to you, the people of New Zealand, it should be clear to most of you watching now that the left here in New Zealand is not. And in latest election news, the Labour Party on Tuesday tabled a bill to lower the age the voting age to 16 in local council elections. Now, they've got two months left in Parliament. They're pretty much a lame duck government. Does that mean they're going to try and ram this through before October the 14th? And they will need a 75% super majority to get this bill passed. So does that mean we're going to have people like Nicola Willis, who are seemingly trotting out the wokest agenda as well, are they going to be voting for it? Is her leader, Christopher Luxon, going to be wanting to court the youth vote in future? Because we know uh, if it starts at the local um, council elections, it's no doubt going to end up as part of our general national elections as well. And given that you have to be 18 to be able to drink alcohol and 18 to do jury service, which some would debate is still too early, maybe those things need to go back up to 21, is giving the youth... Uh, the right to vote at 16, very wise. And no doubt, uh, you all know about the gender, the agenda, the wokest agenda that's been pushed at schools, pushed through the schools. So it's not going to be, uh, it won't take a genius to figure out which way those 16-year-olds are going to be voting. Thousands of tears later. Oops, we got that one wrong. So here's the correction. Lowering the voting age for general elections requires a 75% majority in parliament or a referendum. Lowering the voting age of local elections requires only a 51% majority in Parliament. Needless to say, the bill's proponents, make it 16, do not support a referendum. For the full correction and further clarification, please refer to the description below. One debt to society later. Now, for our final candidate, uh, we've had, you know, a good lineup of women. Now we've got our one uh, strong male figure for this episode, Matt King. He is, of course, from Democracy NZ. Here's the chat we had earlier. Matt King, the leader of Democracy NZ, joins us now. Welcome, Matt. You've been touring up and down the country since, gosh, what, mid-last year or whenever you announced your party. How's it been going? What's the uh, vibe out there in New Zealand? Oh, good, Hannah. Lovely to be on the show. Hey, um, it's been awesome. We've had just under 100 meetings around the country. Biggest meeting, 550 people. Smallest meeting, about 35. Um, very much the same feelings throughout the country. Uh, what's you know, things that are concerning people. Um, definitely a, a, a strong freedom movement um, vibe amongst um, most many of the crowd, but we also have a large number of people from the farming communities and just the general family uh, concerns around the country. So there's been it's been it's been an amazing. Um, 18 months for us, an amazing 18 months. It's been really encouraging. Yeah, you really put in the um, 
hard yards going up and down, meeting all the people. What are the main um, policies that you are presenting to the people when you see them? Well, we, we obviously were born out of the, um, the freedom movement protests that happened in Wellington, but we also have quite a strong background in farming, and so we're pushing back on climate change. We're pushing back on the, uh, the ideology around the sex education. You know, we, we all know in our party what a woman is. Uh, just calling out some of the madness and insanity that's been going on in the country. and We're really concerned about the lack of democracy, and so it's in our name, obviously, with this government and the way they ra- railroad um, through legislation without consultation, without the mandate from the people and without even telling them what they're doing. Uh, we're really concerned about all the vaccine-injured people um, and the madness that came out of the COVID and the breaches of our rights that um, that have caused massive um, pain and suffering and death amongst our people. And we're even concerned now we watch what's going on with um, some reports coming through and basically off the government stats. The numbers of people that we've got a higher mortality rate than the ten-year average by a considerable amount, the low birth rate, the incidence of um, you know people have been disabled and injured, and um, it's just horrendous, Hannah. And there seems to be an aversion with the mainstream parties about talking about that and even addressing it like it's the the um, elephant in the room, and they just won't. They just seem to be avoiding the conversation, and and yet. You know, there's thousands and thousands of Kiwis out there, just regular mums and dads and regular people that are suffering and, and have suffered and continue to suffer. I mean, we've got a a nurse in our um, party. A man, She's a mandated nurse, registered nurse. And she still can't work in the health system unless she gets double vaxxed. And I just, for me, it's just, this is crazy. Why are we, why are we, it's crazy. She can work one day a week, two days a week, part-time um, in hospital without without being jabbed, but she, uh, if she wants a full-time job, she has to be double-vaxxed. And, uh, you know, I've spoken on the, you know, last year I spoke to the doctor from 12 years as a doctor from Kaitai Hospital, 12 years. He's, they love him up there. I spoke to him, I spoke to the head theatre nurse, and I spoke to an assistant anesthesiologist. All of them refused to um, comply with the mandates. All of them were stood down. We've lost him now. He's gone back to South Africa. Um, and they had to shut down the operating theatre at Kaito Hospital, which does 25 operations a week. They had to shut one of them down or two of them down because they couldn't staff them. Um, and these are medical people that will tell you that they have good reason why they decided not to decline to get vaccinated. And So I'm actually talking to people, as you guys do, every day of the week, thousands of times, um, telling about their first-hand experience. And then you've got a government and a health department and an opposition that seem to be putting their fingers in their ears and going, well, it's, you know, we, we're all nut jobs and conspiracy theorists. And yeah, like, you know, you've yeah, been on the, I, I, I you've been just, on this. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. We know exactly what it's like, but the, I, I just probably should bring it up now um, because some people do question you because you are double jabbed, right? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. So, but they think, oh, well, Matt took the jab, so he can't surely, uh, you know, be on the right side of history. But what happened to you? I mean, you've been jabbed. You've obviously, I mean, you put it into your words. What happened to you to make you realise that it wasn't good? Look, I, I absolutely regret doing that. And I, um, I I think about all the people I've spoken to, and including as recently as my good friend, my childhood mate that was admitted to hospital recently with, seizures 
And uh, I spoke to him today, and he's he's actually um, putting it down to the vaccine because he's you know relatively healthy up until then. Um, and I and I what I'm fighting for is people's right to choose. And I think that three quarters of the country um, are regretting their decision now. And and if they aren't regretting their decision now, in time when the full facts are out there and widely known, they will definitely be regretting their decision. Well, so and I'm that's a- the thing. They weren't given full informed consent. They couldn't make a fully informed decision because they weren't given the information. Mm. Um, so yeah, well, have you got a... Ha- yeah, go. Your, um, you released your health policy today. Did you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure, sure. So we, we, um, we, uh, I've got it right here. One of the things that I can list out that we we actually listed it today. We will cancel the vaccine rollout, cancel vaccine mandates, and enact a pandemic inquiry, a really wide-ranging, well-funded, comprehensive inquiry. And we want independent people on it. We don't want anyone that was involved in the in the um, program in any in any way, shape, or form. We want independent people, and we want high-powered people, and we want legal people as well involved um, and we want the ability for them to be able to recommend prosecution um, that that's the bottom line um, we also we have we have doctors we have a dental surgeon uh, registered nurse a naturopath and a doctor amongst our candidates and our board members in our party so we have a lot of um, experience uh, health experience that went into writing our policy um, and first-hand experience so you know decades of, of medical experience between our, our various people um, we want to focus on disease prevention and reduce the bureaucracy um, around the health system. We want to prioritise uh, by need, not race. So it's very important, a need, not not by race. Um, we want to redraft the Health Practitioners Competence Assurance Act and Medicines Act to be consistent with the Bill of Rights, because at the moment, um, the doctors are a little bit uh, muzzled and, and hobbled by the that, that partic- those particular acts. And we need doctors to be able to operate and and to uh, treat people and to make decisions based on their clinical diagnosis and experience, not by what's dictated to them by the health department or, or the government. Um, we want to restore um, New Zealanders' sovereignty, cancel the agreements with the, the WHO and, unelect, and other overseas unelected private entities, which will undermine our our national self-determination. So there's a lot of things going on around the world that seem to be in sync, in lockstep. Um, none of it's original from it, originating from our government. They just um, seem to be following orders. So um, why why were the same things done, the same mistakes made, the same legislation passed, and the same draconian rules passed in all these different countries? It, it, it's not it's not a chance thing. It's not a um, it's something that's that's you know in my view is has been coordinated. It's obvious any any person with any shred a logic and uh, an understanding can understand that this has been coordinated. So um, those organisations I mentioned, like the WHO and WF, those sorts of things, we want nothing to do with them. We want our, our government to, to respond to what's and make decisions based on what's best for our country and if not be dictated to by overseas organisations. So we made that pretty clear. So would you, yeah, yep. so you, would you actually pull out of those organisations or, or like withhold funding, like defund them or kind of do you think that we still need to have some ties with them and then we just pick and choose what we go along with. Look, what I've said to people, and I've said it all along, I've been really consistent in that, is that I don't know enough about um, the the particular organisations and the contracts we've signed up to and the agreements that we're and what we're bound by to make a decision about what we would do 
until I get in and can see the actual evidence. So there's a lot of stuff floating around in the, in, you know, in the, in the on the internet and, and with people in the freedom movement, which seemed to me it would be a good decision to actually pull out and have nothing to do with it. That that would be ultimately what I want to do. If we find that that when I get in there and I see these agreements and I go, look, this is really bad for New Zealand. Yes, I definitely want to pull out of them. Defund them, have nothing to do with them. I ultimately think that's where we'll go. Um, but, it, but what I've said to people is, I want give me a chance to get in, re, you know, have a look through it, get some good legal opinion and some good advice, and then decide what's best. But the ultimate goal will be what is best for New Zealand. It has to be what's best for New Zealand and New Zealanders um, as the criteria. So I, I don't want to say I would pull out of everything because um, I I don't know what the consequences are and I don't know enough of the pros and cons to make that call. So I think I think just saying that you will pull out without having the benefit of knowing the full story is is a little bit, um, I, I think it's it's not a good practice. So I, I, I've said, you know, I actually believe that what's coming down the pipeline is actually quite scary with the who and with the pandemic treaty. And so I'm, I'm yeah, I want to, I want to make sure that we get out. We don't want to be governed by other overseas countries. We don't want to be dictated to. The other yeah, thing and I it's said- definitely getting rushed through uh, at the moment. There is a global movement starting uh, really to wake up to the fact that we need to um, pull out of the who and, and end that global agenda. Well, that's exactly right. And I think there's been a growing awareness from everyone around the world now, the average person, and I certainly am, to realise that the evil, the evilness is coming, seems to be coming. And I think it's just a growing awareness and that we have to, we have to, as countries, we have to push back on all this sort of stuff. One of the things I want to do is repeal the therapeutics products bill because for us, um, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's just, a, it's robbing our rights and it, it's our freedom to choose. Um, so I think it's another. Um, big pharma bill that we should really absolutely um, kick back to touch. And we also will impose a moratorium on GMO and gene-modifying biotechnology products and human and animal medicine. Because I think we are a country, we've got a lot very wary about them. Yeah, Yeah, well, ultimately they're trying to... There's just a little bit of... um choppiness in the connection hopefully that will sort itself out um the other thing that i wanted to ask you um obviously you know you're a former national mp how are you finding it uh getting into the mainstream getting to non-freedom types of people i mean you did say you're getting a lot of support from the farmers what's the cut through like are you getting much interest from mainstream media um have you got you know a way to, to make inroads into new audiences because it kind of seems like there's very two divided camps now and it's hard to cross that bridge. Look, we've been um, we've been absolutely ignored and uh, mocked and blocked by mainstream media um, and that's pretty obvious for us. Um, we, we, do, we don't get any coverage of anything in none of our press releases, none of our policy. The only time we actually got mainstream media caught was when, um, you know, we had some bad news. And 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 that's to, I knew that was going to be the case. Um, so really, uh, you know, I mean, I've been invited on a couple of other shows that are not mainstream media, but you know, um, and they and they basically just uh, used that opportunity to have a go at us. So 
I know we're over the target for that. One of the th last things I wanted to add, Hannah, was that we want to acknowledge, support, and compensate all those affected by the vaccine, COVID vaccine. So oh, yes, everyone that's needs good. to be Yeah, everyone needs to be reinstated, compensated. It's big. This is bigger than Texas, and um, and yeah. and this is bigger than any of the past scandals we've ever had, the little mite or any of those things. We actually, this is big, and um, and I see it as being something that we won't won't be able to resolve and for decades. It'll be a decade or two of, 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 of work before. And I, and for me, for me, Hannah, and I know you agree with this, we people need to be facing justice for this. They need to be facing the courts for what they've done. Absolutely. It's it's really uh crimes against humanity that has been committed and it's a it's a shock for people who already know uh, and it seems to be very difficult for people who don't know uh, they aren't awake yet. And then even when they do realise, you know, that the jab has harmed them, they kind of say, oh, well, what can I do? You know, it's done now. It's it's really sad to see. Um, from what you're saying, Matt, you, you, you are singing from the same song sheet as so many others in the freedom movement. And um, obviously there's, you know, Freedoms NZ as an umbrella party and there's another umbrella forming potentially. Do you think that there's any way... Um, maybe even in the regions that you could accommodate some sort of deal with the other parties that you all allow whoever the strongest freedom candidate is in that electorate to to stand and not stand somebody against them and just push for the party vote? Look, we, I've tried, we've had conversations with all the leaders all the time, and what I've found is, and this has happened with several of them, is that they said one thing to me and then they said one, something else to the public, and I've l listened and watched Liz Gunn call me a, a, a National Party acolyte, which is a lie. I've heard Sue Gray say that I've got a shadow leader, and that it's Ross Morant. And I've heard her say that I'm that I've got National Party. Um, my board is made up of National Party members, and I'm a stooge for them, and I've got an agreement with them. All of that's false. Um, the National Party are running really strong campaign in North, and they're well funded. It. They, they've had, we've had no conversations with them. They've circled the wagons on me when I when I walked out of them without a principle. Um, no communication with them at all. Um, there's three people out of our six member board that have a previous history of National Party. One of them had um, one election up her sleeve. She's a board member. I'm the I'm the MP that's been in the National Party, and our president has been uh, a member of the National Party for 40 years. But he stands out on the roadside with signs protesting about the mandates now, and he he left the party for good reason. And the other three people have no connection with the National Party and, in fact, are very apolitical. So we're not um, stooges for the National Party. In fact, I think they are doing their best to try and take me up, up north here. Yeah, so, I mean, how is it going to work? Are, are you getting invited to debates or will you be on stage with any of the other candidates? Yeah, yep, yep. We've had a meet the candidates meeting already, and there was um, the Green Party, the um, ACT Party, National Labour, New Zealand First, and myself. There's only sort of five that all running, um, and, and and I think all the meet the candidates meeting bar one, I think one's being run by the um, the Taxpayers Union, which I, I they've already excluded one of our candidates from APS, saying that he's not in the running, which I think is just a shocker. Um, but but and overall, I think I meet the candidates' meetings are very fair. We all get on fine, you know. We've all done this all before. Um, so yeah, it's it's for me. I mean, I, I, we did our own poll in Northland and um, a proper candidate selection, a proper candidate question where we asked asked the the, the people to, who would they vote for, and we and didn't name the party, but just named the person. And um, I was thirteen percent behind the leader, 
of the, the leading candidate. And so I'm in the I was right in the money because last election I was 20% ahead of Labour at the at the at, you know the last poll before the election, and she beat me. So um, I'm within Kiwi of of having a good shot at this in Northland. So the poll that you might have seen recently run by um, uh, RCR Radio was was a candidate question, but it's actually it was a party vote question, and it was caged as a candidate. But they didn't ask who the, the names of the candidates; they just asked the name of the party. So you know, it was it gave it gave a, a skewed result. It, it gave our party vote um, results. You know, we're roughly two percent, and uh, and we got we got roughly two percent. So. Um, I'm right up there. I've got a good chance. I've got a. Um, I was the MP for a term. You know, I worked my backside off up there, and and I'm appealing to people up there to go. Hey, you can you can you can party vote who you like, whoever you want um, to pick your, your who to govern. But give me your candidate vote. There's no downside to it. There's no risk. It's it, it's uh, it's a no brainer. And I'm getting a lot of feedback from um, centre right voters up there going, Yeah, we can we get it, Matt. We can give you the candidate tick, and we're not. Uh, we're not being disloyal to our party, so it's, that's that's the strategy. And so, if there's people that want to help you on the ground, either in Northland or around the country, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? If you go onto our website, democracynz.org, um, we've got a we've got a volunteers tab where you can put your details in, and we get the message and we contact you. We've got a good team, um, you know, around the country. We've got good, we've got some amazing volunteers. I mean, they just blow me away how how beautiful they are and how passionate. And, and how caring they are, and um, I've never struck anything like it actually, and certainly never had that in the National Party. Um, so I just yeah encourage people. I mean, we've got phone calls from people that are, that are staunch nats that said, "Come and put your sign up on my farm." You know, they're staunch nats, and they and they did that because they see the wisdom and the voting strategy we've got. And so yeah, just ask people to jump on board. I mean, we we, we welcome uh, more donations because every every dollar we get, we'll, we'll put in signage and hoardings and, and advertising. Um, and, you know, hey, look, what I wanted to say, Hannah, is like we did really try to merge and work out with the other parties what we could do, but there was too many, too many, it wasn't about ego, I've got to tell you, that's nothing to do with ego. None of the leaders, bar one, has any ego. I think that they just, we just, we just couldn't, we just couldn't get past some issues. There were some issues that we just couldn't get past, so. Yeah, hopefully it's yeah. just teething issues and hopefully this whole movement grows and matures and, you know, over time uh, people will see that, you know, we, we're all on the same side here. Um, I just want to wish you well for the campaign and, you know, we'll hope to have you on again before um, Election Day and if any of your other candidates want to come on as well, we'd like to have them on um, and just kind of, you know, do the stuff that mainstream media is not doing for all the minor parties. Well, thanks, Hannah. Look, I've got a bunch of candidates that would love to take you up on that offer. We've got some incredible people, um, really exciting, interesting candidates that are really passionate. And so, yeah, if you 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 want to invite any of them on and um, feel free to anytime get hold of me and uh, they'll jump on. We've got 12 of us in total. So, yeah, anytime. Love to. Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt. Have a good night. Awesome. Cheers, Hannah. And those were the first four guests on our election special series. Now, we do want to hear from you and what you thought. So we're going to be running polls at the end of each of these episodes uh, on Twitter, Telegram. We'll put it up on Facebook. Uh, so please go there and vote which candidate you think uh, knocked it out of the park. And speaking of more episodes, we need your help. 
if you like this, we're going to need you to get behind us. Uh, you don't want to see the Counterspin team being greeters at Bunnings now, do you? That would be pretty sad. So please go to counterspinmedia.com um, and flick us a donation because we really need some more fuel in the tank. This stuff is um, not easy and none of us get paid, but you know we still need funds to, to do this work. And I just want to let you know that we did reach out to NNP, the new nation party, to come on. Uh, Michael Jacome, he flat out refused. Uh, we've been trying to get hold of Leighton Baker. Uh, we'd also love to see uh, the new Conservatives. And anybody else that you think uh, would like to come on, please reach out. Send us an email, info at counterspinmedia.com. And like I've been saying throughout the show, we'll get other candidates from the parties that we've already had on. Uh, to come and give us their spiel as well um, so yeah please do give us feedback if you want us to keep going let us know if you don't then uh, well we get some of that anyway we don't need much more of that um, but yeah that was the end of the first Counterspin Media election special I hope you enjoyed it I certainly did and I look forward to seeing you all again soon thank you so much Counterspinmedia.com <laughs> 